0: Okay guys, welcome to another Jesus Rant. I am Pastor Tom Carter, Word Without Walls Ministry. This is episode 24, Repent. And this is a subject and a word, a concept, and an idea that I really like to rant about both on my uh, daily Jesus Rant blog and uh, a lot of times, anytime that I can preach or teach about it, because I think this is one of the biggest twisted scriptures that we see, uh, especially in this day and age. Um, I don't like what we, and when I say we, I mean religious folk, people uh, in in the quote-unquote church world, I don't like what we have kind of made repentance out to be. And part of me can see why we've gone down the road that I'm going to talk about here in a little bit, but uh, hopefully I can shed a little light on on what it's really supposed to be and what we're really talking about here. So let's just get into it. You know, I don't want to keep you long. I want to do the old uh, guerrilla gospel hit and run, get in, make my point and get out you something to chew on but not to choke on. So I want to start in Matthew chapter 3 verses 1 and 2. And it reads, in those days John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. And when I was looking at some of the different translations of this verse of this idea of this concept and i'm going to read uh the king james version in just a minute but uh some of them had the idea of repent of your sins in there and some of them did not and i thought that was interesting because as we're going to see in in a way repentance is all about your sins or the idea of sin but, in another way, it's not, and the idea that the the religious world has kind of perpetuated is that it's all about repentance from sins. repent of your sins, which in in, in their minds and in their preaching and teaching means stop sinning that's what they've kind of made repentance mean. But, like I said that that word "sin is not in every translation, and in the King James uh, it reads and saying, "Repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand and I really like that idea because the kingdom of heaven is near the kingdom of heaven is at hand. if something is at hand, it's within your reach if something is at hand, it's available to you if it's near it's you know it again it's it's within your reach and all you have to do in order to get what's at hand is reach out for it or repent and the word repent is the greek word metanoia it's number three three four zero in strong's greek concordance and it means to think differently or afterwards that is reconsider morally to feel compunction, and why that's so important to me is that we are thinking differently about something in light of something else. We're reconsidering what we've thought was true when something else happens, and what happened is the cross. Like my mom always says, either the cross changed everything, or it didn't change anything. The cross is the biggest thing that ever happened. And when I say the cross, you know, I mean the, the six steps to the throne. I mean, Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection. I mean, the whole, the whole thing, uh, being crucified, died, buried, quick, and raised and seated. I don't just mean Jesus being hung on a cross and dying on a cross. I mean, the, the whole, the whole, um, the whole idea of what, of, of his finished work on the cross. And that is what allows us to, that is what equips and empowers us to think differently. It's really all about letting the mind of Christ that is already in us be in us. It's really all about, just as, you know, as God said in Jeremiah 29 11, he knows the thoughts that he thinks towards us, and he's not hiding those thoughts. He's sharing those thoughts with us. He wants us to know those thoughts so that we can think those thoughts, so that we can live those thoughts, so that we can understand what his motivations are. And if we understand what his motivations are, we can trust him. And if we trust him, we can obey him because obedience is a trust issue. If you trust the Lord and you know and believe that he knows the end from the beginning, If you trust the Lord and you know and believe that not only does he know where you should go, but how to get there, then you will be able to obey him and do what he says. Especially when, and and of course, this is what it always comes back to for me. This is what everything always comes back to for me. Especially when you consider that what he wants you to do, what he commands you to do is love. The new commandment for the new man is to love one another as Jesus loves you, to receive and release his love. So it's all about love. And that, friends, to me, is really what repentance is all about. It's about repenting of your sins and turning to God. It's about not focusing on the bad stuff and simply focusing on love. And we talked a lot about this, I think, when we talked about sin consciousness, uh, about not being conscious of your sin conscience. And I know that can be a little tricky and a little confusing, but I think it's pretty good wordplay. But the point is, is what you feed is what will grow. What you magnify in your life is what will manifest in your life. If you're always focused on sin, even to the point where you're focusing on sin in order to not sin, sin is still dominating your life. And to be perfectly clear, When I say sin, I mean unbelief. I mean not believing the ultimate truth of the universe, which is God is love and he loves you. To me, sin is believing that you have to do something in order to earn God's love. That's as simple as I can make it. And if we repent from that idea, if we repent of our sins, and if we stop thinking I have to do something in order to be loved by God, that's when we can turn to him And we can just let him love us. And that's going to be really, really important here uh, in a couple verses as we go through this. But again, uh, repent means to think differently or afterwards. That is reconsider. So there was a way that we thought about things and then something happened. And now we can think differently about those things. There's a way that we thought about everything. There's a way that we thought about ourselves and each other. And then something happened. The cross happened, and now we can think differently. Now we can reconsider. Now instead of looking at ourselves and each other the way we always have, we can instead look at ourselves and each other through the eyes of the cross. We can look at ourselves and each other cross-eyed. We can see ourselves and each other as we truly are. We can let the deep call out to the deep, and we can connect on that uh, deep, real, true level of love the light in me connecting to the light in you and i use that word light because we're going to get into that in just a minute too but i really want to hit this hard about what it means to repent what the word repent means it's not about i have to stop sinning or i'll get in trouble so i have to repent it's not about you know uh oh i'm 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 a sinner and i have to no it's it's thinking differently in light of something else It's reconsidering what you thought in light of the glorious truth of the gospel. And then when we get to Matthew chapter 4 verse 17, we see from then on Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. And I included that verse because it's the exact same phrase that was used in Matthew chapter 3 verses 1 and 2. John came and said uh, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near and he was paving the way for Jesus and then Jesus came and said the exact same thing there's no mixed message this is what Jesus brought when he started his uh, Earth Walk ministry this is what he had to say this is what was important to him think differently about everything because the kingdom of God is at hand and when you understand that the king had just arrived on the scene and when you understand that the kingdom is the realm in which the king rules and reigns then you can see how this all makes perfect sense the kingdom arrived when the king arrived and when the king took up abode or took up his dwelling place in us that means that we are not only in the kingdom but we are the kingdom we are the realm in which the king rules and reigns he is the king of kings and we are kings and priests uh equipped and empowered to rule and to reign on this earth. He's given us his authority. So now let's go all the way to the very end of the Bible. Let's go to Revelation chapter 2, and I want to read verses 3 through 5. And it reads, You have patiently suffered for me without quitting, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. And this sounds harsh, like I get that. Like he's basically saying, do it or or there will be some bad consequences. But the fact of the matter is, is that every action has consequences. Sometimes the consequences are good and sometimes they're not so good. And I think that's a big Uh, Another big thing that we've lost is this idea of personal responsibility, this idea that yes, our actions do have consequences. Jesus spoke in another place about counting the cost before you do something. He talked about uh, you don't start a war before you know you can win it. Like we have to think about our words and our actions because our words and our actions are powerful and they have meaning and they have consequences. So, uh if you're not shining your light it's not necessarily you know Jesus coming in and and punishing you and saying oh you're you're not doing what you're supposed to do so I'm going to take it away from you it's really to me it's more that if you're not shining your light if you're not repenting if you're not thinking differently about things if you're not loving like you used to if you've lost that loving feeling then it's more like you're hiding your own light or extinguishing your own light And that's what it says in Luke chapter 11, verse 33, no one lights a lamp and then hides it or puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. Jesus described himself as the light of the world, and he described us as the light of the world. God, the Father, is described as the Father of Light, because we are his Son and we are the light. So, of course, he's the father of light. And and again, in the same way that John the Baptist and Jesus were preaching the exact same message, it's the exact same light. The light of the world is the light of love. In the book of John, chapter 1, it talks about how in the beginning, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And it says, his life was the light of men. His life is a life of love light life and love are all exactly the same thing and i'm either going to do i think i'm either going to do one podcast episode on all three of those or stretch it out and do one on each of those 3 l's light life and love because i think they're so important and i think they really illustrate the nature of god but we'll get to that at another time like i said like i like i say just about every week i have a lot of ideas for podcast episodes. Um, I've, I have once had somebody tell me that the only things in my life that I take seriously are my son and Jesus, and I think it's more accurate to say the only things that I take seriously in my life are my family and Jesus, but I got the point, and I think you get the point too. I have a lot to say about this Jesus stuff. I could talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. Uh, a lot of times I have to like force myself to keep these episodes Uh, at at the length that we've kind of grown accustomed to. Because I could just go on and on and on. But my point is repentance. My point is, what do we need to think about differently? And to me, it's love. I think before the cross, love was used in a, I guess like a, really kind of a selfish way and it's used like that a lot these days too. Um, I see it all the time where people say I love you to someone strictly to get something from them and that's not love because love is giving. If you're trying to get something it's automatically it's not love. By definition it's not love. It's manipulation and it's control and it's really kind of gross to use something that should be so clean and so pure uh, and so good in order to try to get something for yourself, that's messed up. I don't like that. That's not love at all. But when we're talking about repenting of our sins or our unbelief or believing that we have to earn God's love or believing that we don't have God's love or believing anything other than the ultimate truth of the universe that God is love and he loves you, that's when we start to get ourselves into, uh, I don't want to say trouble because that's not the right word, but I guess adverse situation, that's when we start to get ourselves into some consequences that we don't want to get ourselves into. And again, it's not God punishing us. It's just the consequences of your own actions. If you're not using your light, if you're hiding it, then why wouldn't he come in and and take the lampstand? You're not using it anyway, right? But here's the thing that I want to really hit hard is, he talks about, uh, it says, look how far you don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. And in the King James Version, it reads, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. And that's an important turn of phrase, because... What we see in uh, in another place in the Bible is when we, when uh, I think it's in one of John's letters, he talks about how we love because God first loved us. That's our first love. Our first love is not what we do, but it's who God is. Our first love is God loving us. And since you can't give what you don't have, and you can only give what you do have, you have to know and believe the love of God before you can love with the love of God. And since I believe there are the the, the two most important things in the whole entire universe are God and people, loving God and loving people, loving God by loving people, that's why it's so important that we understand the divine order of things, that we understand receiving and releasing. Because you can't release something you haven't received. You can't give something you don't have. And again, it's the, whole, it's the same idea of knowing and believing. You can't believe something you don't know. You have to know it first. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing from the Word of God. You hear God say that He loves you. And then you are able to love Him back by loving people. So let's look at Acts chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. It says, Now repent of your sins and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. I like this a lot in the context of consequences and not necessarily in the idea of... um, if then, because I think a lot of people think, if I repent, then God will love me and accept me. But the truth of the matter is, and we're going to see this in a second too, God has always and will always love you. He has always and will always accept you. He went to the cross in in human flesh and died a, a horrible, painful, awful death in order to reconcile you back to himself, in order to bring you back into right standing with him. He did that because we could not do that. And and really, at the time, and and really a lot of the time, we don't even want to do that. We kind of agree with Adam and Eve and we think, "Uh uh-oh, we messed up, God's mad, we need to hide. Adam and Eve hid from the presence of the Lord, but the presence of the Lord was still there. Even in the beginning, when God created the heaven and the earth, the mind and the body, you, and it was dark and void and without form, the Spirit of God hovered over the deep. He was always there. The problem was that it was dark and, and the light wasn't shining yet. But he fixed that problem real quick when he said, let there be light. So this idea of repenting of our sins and turning to God so that your sins may be wiped away, let me say this isaiah forty four twenty two I have swept away your sins like a cloud, I have scattered your offenses like the morning mist. oh return to me, for I have paid the price to set you free. And again, in isaiah thirty one six though you are such wicked rebels, my people, come and return to the Lord. God has made a way where there was no way, right? That's what we see over and over again in the Bible. We saw it with Moses and the parting of the Red Sea. We saw it with, um, what's his name, Joshua and and going around the city and having the walls fall down. Anytime something seemed like it was insurmountable, God took care of it. He does all of the heavy lifting, all of the hard work. and, And in fact, he has done, past tense, all of the heavy lifting and all of the hard work. When Jesus cried out from the cross, It is finished, that's exactly what he meant. He meant, It is finished. Jesus went to the cross and fought and won the war to end all wars, which means there are no more wars left for us to fight, which means we can enjoy the fruit of his labor. We can rest. We don't have to fight any wars. The only fight that I see in the New Testament is the good fight of faith, which is laying hold of eternal life, laying hold of the gift that we've been given through our faith, by knowing it and believing it. So this idea that I have to repent in order for my sins to be washed away or wiped away, that doesn't fly with me. Because way back in Isaiah, he says, I have swept your sins away. And he said, though you are such wicked rebels, come and return to me. He has never been uh, expecting us to do something in order to get back in his good graces. The only thing that he ever wanted from us is for us to come back to him. And again, that's the whole story of the prodigal son who took his inheritance, which was basically saying, Dad, I wish you were dead because I would rather have money than have you in my life, which hurts me as a father on a personal level. Uh, I don't think my son would ever say that to me, but if he did, that, that that would hurt. That would hurt my heart. But he took his inheritance and he squandered it and he spoiled it and he went out and he lived the life he thought he wanted to live. He went out and lived the life that he thought would be the best life that he could live. And he found out that it wasn't worth it. He found himself, you know, scraping the bottom of the barrel. He found himself in the gutter. He found himself uh, not only wasting his inheritance, but wasting his life. And then he thought, well, if I go back to daddy's house, maybe I can at least be a servant and I I can at least have somewhere to be that's better than this place. But what we see when he comes back to his father's house is that daddy runs out to meet him and grabs him and hugs him and kisses him and and restores him to a place of honor and basically says, buddy, I didn't want you to leave. Of course I want you back. You, You have, this is your home. This is your place. And when we start seeing... God is our father, we can start seeing the kingdom as our home. We can start understanding that we have a safe place to come to. We can uh, we can live like refugees in the sense of God is our refuge or our safe place. We don't have to go our own way. We don't have to do things on our own. We don't have to run from him or hide from him because he's not mad at us. He's mad about us. And that's why it talks about the times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. And I know there's this idea, again, there's so many ideas in the church world that I absolutely positively disagree with. But there's idea this there's this idea in the church world that quote-unquote sin will separate you from God. Like, like God cannot abide sin, so if you're sinning, he's not going to be close to you, he's not going to listen to you, he doesn't want anything to do with you. But guys, that's ridiculous! Jesus came... In sinful flesh, he's not afraid of sin. Anytime Jesus came to somebody who is sick or or even a leper who is extremely contagious, Jesus wasn't afraid. He touched them. And guess what happened? He didn't get sick. They got well. Right? Where sin abounded, Grace did much more abound. So we don't have to worry about separating ourselves from the love of God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are, or what you're doing. If you repent, and again, by that I mean think differently about everything in light of something that happened, the cross. If we repent and we start to see things cross-eyed, and we start to let the power of the cross loose in our lives, and we start to understand that even on my worst day. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. My actions don't disqualify me. My actions don't change who I am. My actions may have consequences that I don't like. All right. uh, I've, I've heard it preached like this. If you cheat on your wife, God's not going to be mad at you, but your wife probably will be. Actions have consequences, and I'm not saying that they don't, and I'll never say that they don't, because I firmly believe that they do. Every action has a consequence, whether it be good, bad, or ugly. But what I'm talking about here is when we understand the power of repentance, when we understand the power of the cross, when we understand the power of who God is and how he feels about us and what he has done for us, then when we uh, repent of our sins When we think, again, differently about our unbelief, and when we turn to God, that's when that unbelief is wiped away. When God arises, his enemies will vanish or scatter. They can't stand up to him. When the light shines, the darkness flees. If you're in a dark room and you turn the light on, you're not in a dark room anymore. Light wins, hands down, every time. And when your sins are wiped away, and again, they have been swept away. Uh, This idea of repentance is really just accepting that they have been wiped away. God has wiped them away. But again, you know, it's, it's the idea that the truth has set us free and made us free. But really, the truth we know empowers us to be the free that we already are. Our sins have been swept away and wiped away. But it's through our repentance, through thinking differently about our sins, that we experience that wiping away. It's when we repent and think differently that's when we experience the times of refreshment that come from the presence of the Lord. So uh, don't think, don't ever think you've gone too far. God not only allows U turns, like it says uh, on my Bible cover but I believe that he encourages U-turns. He wants us to get off of that path and onto the straight and narrow way that leads unto life. So all we have to do is let the light shine so that we can see clearly, and when we see clearly, that's when we can think about things clearly, and we, when we think about things clearly, that's when we can experience things as they really are. So I want to read one more thing uh, I'm want to read second Corinthians chapter seven verses eight through ten and I want to spend a little bit of time on this because it can be a little tricky. I think a lot of things in the Bible if if you just take them at at surface value um, can be like like I said earlier, can kind of easily be twisted scripture and uh, I've even heard people arguing about uh, like you'll bring something up to them and they'll say, What's the chapter in the verse? Why do you believe that? Tell me, where, show me where it says that. And they're very legalistic and they're very uh, letter of the law, which to me is ironic because, you know, there's a verse in the Bible that says the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Uh, God wasn't necessarily giving us rules to follow as he was trying to show us who he is. And when we know who he is, then we know who we are. And when we know who we are, then we can be who we are. And that's what this life is all about. It's all about being who you are, letting God love you, and loving him back by loving people with that same love. So let's look at this passage of Scripture, and then uh, we'll, we'll really get into it, and then and then we'll close it down for today. Second Corinthians 7, verses 8 through 10. I am not sorry, and this is Paul writing to the church in, in Corinth, I am not sorry that I sent that severe a letter to you, though I was sorry at first, for I know it was painful to you for a little while. Now I am glad I sent it, not because it hurt you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. It was the kind of sorrow God wants His people to have, so you are not harmed by us in any way. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. So we're talking about sorrow. We're talking about Paul sending a letter to a church, uh, and his letter was pretty, pretty stiff. It pointed out a lot of things that they were doing that Paul did not like. A lot of things that if you want to go quote-unquote, right and wrong. It pointed out a lot of things they were doing wrong. It pointed out a lot of problems that they were having. A lot of things that they were doing that they probably shouldn't have been doing. And that's why he says, you know, I'm not sorry that I sent that severe letter to you, though I was sorry at first, for I know it was painful for you for a little while. It's always hard to hear that you're doing something you ought not be doing. And... I think it's so important that we have people in our lives that will do that for us that will will tell us that that will hold us accountable and be like, bro, that's not okay. I don't know how you got to where you are, but why don't why don't you come this way? why don't you get back on this path why don't why don't you you know you may be on a detour or as my dad likes to say, you may be wandering around in the wilderness right now, and you know That happens. That's a part of life. I can very clearly remember my dad talking about me wandering around in the wilderness, but he didn't say it necessarily like it was a bad thing. He 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 was saying it like this is this is part of the maturation process. This is part of the life journey. He'll get out of this. He'll get through this, and he'll figure it out. And when I heard that, it, it filled me with a lot of confidence in myself. Because there have been times in my life where I felt completely lost. Completely upside down and backwards. And I didn't know which way was up. And I didn't know which way was right. And, uh, you know, with the help of family and friends, I was able to get to the other side. And it wasn't fun all the time. And it was painful. And and there was sorrow involved. Um, But here's the thing. He says, I am glad I sent it. Not because it hurts you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. Sometimes we need kind of a, a, you know, a swift kick to the head in order to recalibrate us. We need somebody to say, this is not okay. We need somebody to hold us accountable. And we need some, and, and, and when when we listen to that person, because we trust that person, Everything comes down to trust, man. Obedience is a trust issue. Love is a trust issue. Being vulnerable with somebody is a trust issue. If you don't trust somebody, you will wall yourselves off and, and, you know, you will isolate yourself because you don't want to get hurt. And I get that. I understand that. When you touch the fire and it burns you, you don't want to get burnt again. So you just avoid the the flames. But when you do that, you're missing out on such a, a vital, important part of life, Because this life is created for us to have those connections with each other, to have those relationships with each other, to hold each other accountable. And and really, that to me is such a strong, powerful way to show your love for somebody is, is not just letting them do whatever they think they should be doing. And listen, you have to use wisdom with this. Because there are times when people will not hear what you're saying. And all that means is that they're not ready to hear it. And it's not your job to batter them into submission. You know, I I believe it was Paul who wrote in another place that some plant, some water, but it's God who gets the harvest. Sometimes all you can do is love people. And sometimes all you can do is love people from a distance. So I'm not saying it's your job to fix people. It's not. I'm not saying it's your job to be, uh, you know, a, 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 a Holy Spirit police officer. Where you're, uh, where you're out on a sin hunt and you're pointing out everybody's wrongs. But I'm saying that there are times and places and people in your life that you can and should check them before... You, you know the old saying, check yourself before you wreck yourself? Sometimes you need to check somebody before they wreck themselves in order to help them. And again, if, the, if they won't hear it, they won't hear it. You know, it's not on you to fix people. But the difference between the sorrow God wants us to experience and worldly sorrow is, and I struggle with this quite a bit. Uh, Again, I know I'm talking about my parents kind of a lot today, but uh, my dad always says, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, but never the same mistake twice. Whereas I've always gone the other way with that, where I like to make the same mistake over and over again, just to make sure that it's really a mistake. And to me, that's worldly sorrow. That's me doing something and it not working and me being sad about it. And then me doing it again, hoping that, well, this time it'll work out better. Which is kind of the definition of insanity. You know, doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting a different result. That doesn't work. Uh, And, and, you know, the older I get, the more mature I get, the more experience in life I get. Uh, I'm slowly but surely learning that lesson where I don't want to keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again, just to be sure that it's really a mistake. Like, I'm starting to get it like, okay, that was a mistake, I don't want to do that again. Which is the kind of sorrow God wants us to have, so that we're not harmed in any way. So that, uh, it says, for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience, leads us away from sin, and results in salvation it's the kind of sorrow that leads to repentance when 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 you try something and it doesn't work out and you say ooh i don't like that i need to do this differently you're thinking again or or you're thinking differently in light of something that happened that's what repentance is and and that goes you know that that to me even kind of goes along with the traditional idea of sin as quote-unquote bad behavior, which I don't believe that's what sin is. I believe bad behavior results from unbelief, because everything you do flows from what you believe. If you don't believe that God loves you, you will do everything you can to get love from somewhere, from someone. And that can that's that selfish kind of I love you uh, manipulation that I was talking about earlier, where we use that idea or that, that term or that phrase in order to get something from people, which is not love at all. But the kind of sorrow that God wants us to experience leads us away from unbelief and results in salvation. That's when we hear the still small voice inside of us that, that leads us and guides us and directs us and protects us. That still small voice inside of us that says, I love you with every beat of God's heart in our chest And when we hear that voice, when we listen to that voice, when we repent of our sins or our unbelief, and we stop making the same mistake over and over, we stop doing the same things over and over, we think differently about, again, everything in light of God's love for us, in light of the cross, in light of, uh, you know, Jesus said, the greatest love a man can have is to lay his life down for his friends. And then he went to the cross and laid his life down for us. He put his money where his mouth was. He didn't just say it, but he did it. He showed it to us. He gave it to us. And because he did, we can think differently about love. We can stop looking for love in all the wrong places. And we can stop trying to use quote-unquote love to get what we want. And we can have the same kind of love for each other that Jesus had for us. In the same way that John the Baptist and Jesus were preaching the exact same message, we can love God. By loving each other in the exact same way that God loves us. Simply by repenting. By understanding that the kingdom is at hand. It's within our reach. All we have to do is stop thinking the way we've always thought and think differently. Stop trying to get something and just give what we've got. That, to me, is repentance. It's that shift from trying to get something to giving the love that we've got. So, that's what I have this week uh, as always, I want to thank all of the supporters, all of the listeners. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate you. Thank you for helping me get this word out there. Um, every week I'm blown away by, by anybody at all listening to this. And, and I know my, my, my best friend CJ is always going to listen to it. And I really like it because he will tell me something. Uh, he will use something from, the the rant in casual conversation so i know he's like actively listening to it and he's absorbing some of it and and that's really cool to me uh i appreciate all the feedback i appreciate you helping me get this word out there word without walls ministry is just trying to make the gospel available uh as simply and as easily and and as as accessibly as possible so um thank you guys and we will see you again next week Okay, well, if you enjoyed that, I want to invite you to check out my website, JesusRant.com. You can get my daily rants on there. You can uh, get the my books that I've written on there. They're also on Amazon. I have an author's page on Amazon. Um, I've written a lot of books. I'm pretty proud of them. You can order them. I try to keep them cheap because I don't like to pay a lot of money for books, and I don't think people should have to pay a lot of money for mine. So check that out. Um, if you want to support the podcast itself, you can find it on Anchor FM. If you just search for Jesus Rant, um, you can support it monetarily. You can support it by uh, liking it, sharing it, subscribing to it, and you can su- you can support it. Excuse me, by word of mouth, by telling people about it, uh, helping other people listen, find it, and listen to it. And uh, thank you once again, as always, for spending your time to listen to it, to uh, to help me to get the word out, which, you know, as we know by now is, is my heart, is just getting this word out, Word Without Walls Ministry. Um, so just thank you for your support. I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Amen.